Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shed house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox Yeah, man, I just got back from uh, One Big Holiday, which is My Morning Jacket's uh, four-day music festival. I guess they've done it in, like, the Dominican Republican, the Dominican Republican, um, the Democratic Republican, uh, that country. But they did it in Cancun at this resort this year, and it was, it was just four days of a really fucking good time. Like, a better time than I even thought it would be, I'm not going to lie. Nice. Um, what other bands played? Was it just My Morning Jacket? So we flew in Red Eye Wednesday morning, got to the resort, just went and hung out by the pool. And this is all-inclusive, like food everywhere, people offering you a drink every two and a half minutes at this really nice resort. There's always like a DJ or something going on. Again, food everywhere. And you can see the stage from where you are pretty much at all times. And so, like, the first night was pretty much just Black Pumas and My Morning Jacket. Then they had a little stage by the pool where this band washed out. You know, the Portlandia theme song. It was st- The second night was Steel Pulse, Brittany Howard, and My Morning Jacket. That was probably My Morning Jacket's, like, best set. Although Sunday was, I mean, Saturday was pretty epic. But Brittany Howard was fantastic. Her band was super tight. It was less songs and more just... One continuous medley, really? The whole weekend or Brittany Howard? Br- Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brittany Howard. And then and then you had the third night, My Morning Jacket took off. So you had uh, Lord Huron and Ooh, Trampled by nice. Turtles and Pr- Preservation Hall, which, which they're great. And they actually did a late night set one of the nights, as did this band Strand of Oaks. And then the third night, and then the, the final night was... Um, uh, Fruit Bats, love them. Sharon Manetton, love her. My Morning Jacket. Cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that was Saturday night, That the big lineup? Saturday was a big lineup, but I was so... And I had a lot of a lot of drinks and a lot of cigarettes. Well, if they're passing you a drink every two minutes, uh, it's about yeah. to happen. Yeah, Bree had to cut me off one night at, by the pool. She was like, all right, we're done. But it was funny because I had friends just kind of shuffling in, but I had never, never been doing all-inclusive anything and to have that to where basically your day is wake up, go to the pool. Although one morning we did play golf. Um, but wake up, go to the pool, sit there, eat, drink, get sun. Me, it, it very easy. to Like everybody's there just hanging out. So pretty much anybody you're sitting next to or in the pool next to, you just strike up a conversation. But, you know, my morning jacket's probably in their 40s now. So it's it's really like a lot of 30s to 50s. You know, so everybody's pretty laid back. But yeah, yeah, and then you go take a nap in the afternoon and wake up and walk to the see music for the next five hours. And it's Fish was there the week before, so, so Trey came out with my morning jacket the first night. Played Can't Hear Me Knocking, Rocket Man, bro, my guitar. <laughs> did you tell Trampled by Turtles how much pub they were getting on the I podcast? Told, I told. Well, it's so funny because I did. They had this little surf thing called Flowrider, which I'm not coordinated and ate it three straight times. And 
that was standing next to this guy. I was like, oh, I was a big Mama and Jacket fan. He's like, no, I'm here for the Turtles, bro. <laughs> oh. And I was like, man, I don't know any of their songs, but I know they do some good covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great people, great great music. And, I mean, I stand by it. My Morning Jacket's one of the best live bands you can see today, bar none. Yeah, they're pretty fantastic. I was definitely jealous of your My Morning Jacket all-inclusive sandal location. <laughs> it, could have been, it could have been a barefoot uh, over sandals, you know. But but definitely something, Neil, I would recommend. And on that note, you were listening to Podgave Rock and Roll, and there's a voice that is missing tonight, and that is Jonathan Horton, as he will be taking a break for the pod. We don't know how long that'll be, so he can record his own music. Jonathan's been a big part of the pod, so we, we, we definitely appreciate his contribution and fun insights every week. So you're going to hear his final pod that he did with us. And uh, this week, we are discussing a song that he picked. And what we're going to do for future episodes without Jonathan is we're going to have a guest, um, usually one of our friends who we find entertaining and who is uh, just as much of a music lover as we are. Moving on, this week we are discussing the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil from their 1968 album, Beggar's Banquet, written by Jagger Richards and produced by Jimmy Miller and released Please on Decca. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Most songs I've heard this much, it diminishes my interest in it, my interest in it but... I don't think I could ever hear this song too many times. It's just everything about it. The production, the lyrics, the music, the guitar solo, the background singing. Like there are definitely, I, 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 you can definitely make a case there are better written songs. I don't know that you can make a case that there's a better rock song than this. Like when I hear it, it just immediately pulls me into the, into the narrative the narration element of it just seamlessly puts you in the moment of what he's saying. A lot, a lot of people, when they start trying to tackle geopolitics and songs, it can get dumb sounding real quick. But they avoid that by just kind of giving like a historical overview of things and then commenting on mankind and all that stuff. And considering they lived like directly lived through World War II, like they were being bombed as kids. At least Keith was. Apparently, a, a, a bomb hit Hitler. Uh, Keith's house like two weeks after he had moved to another house and he said Hitler had it marked you know from the beginning it, it's just kind of perfect music to me you know I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing more significant or nothing more supreme or that kind of stuff but for four chords uh, I don't know if you really do much better yeah yeah it's funny you say the song has it diminished in interest and when I was listening to it all week I, I completely agree but it's also a song that doesn't like the melody, I don't. The melody, I think, is not that memorable. It's not about the I melody. I think the, right. ex, the experience of the song itself is memorable. So, like when I'm listening to the song and I'm in it, I'm like, "Fuck yes, this is amazing." But when the, once it's done, it's not like I'm, you know, singing who who like when I'm walking out. So it it almost allows when I go back to visit it, it's just like, "Fuck yeah, I'm right back here." It can't really get played out to me. But you know, I mean, this is pinnacle rock and roll that I've heard my whole life. I feel like it'd be hard-pressed to find someone in America who is not, you know, super religious or just shut off that hasn't heard the song at least once. I love the historical aspect of the lyric. The groove is, 
not so different, but it's different than a lot of stuff you hear from around that time. There's a ripping solo, the drums sound great, and it's a damn good way to like send off the original iteration of this all-time band with the first track on on the last album that Brian Jones was on. So, yeah, definitely. It's great. I mean, it's an amazing song. It's very easy to take for granted the amount of times I've heard it in my life. Um, and it's one of those first ones you learn on guitar. I feel like every high school band is like, grab your bongos, let's do some fucking sympathy for the devil. But when you sit down and really listen to it again with fresh ears, it just from start to finish, it, it just sounds great. It's so creative. The storytelling, the, it's, it's a statement too. It's kind of a look in the mirror. He's saying it's all of us. Like everything about kind of the sound and the poetry and everything is just really well done in this. Um, for 68, it was a real rocker, and I believe um, it's almost become a blueprint for good rock songs. Because how many times do you hear like that bum 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 and a bum dun dun dun, like just almost that rhythm, you know, like just hitting chords. Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. like it's everywhere. To mimic what you said, Jonathan, I think it's close to a perfect song. The idea of coming at it from that viewpoint of okay i'm singing as the devil right yeah you know yeah. there was a lot of stuff i think in blues and, and you know maybe even church stuff where you're talking about good and evil and god and the devil or comparing somebody or something to the devil but i don't know if i if there's really any song but this one that is strictly from a viewpoint of the devil and you know with that first line of please allow me to introduce myself so <laughs> it's, just, it's brilliant with the vibe around it you, you could look at it two ways i think i think it puts you in a primal space regardless you know that's what they're trying to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're in this kind of bird's eye view of the history of the world within like a fire right if you take it somewhat seriously if you don't there's mick dressed like a fucking fool gyrating around a fire and <laughs> Yeah, you know, in like a primal way. Fire? So, yeah, I mean, when I hear this song, it, I, I feel like because it's so primal, it just takes me to a, where I'm outside. It's night. There's a fire. People are dancing around. And there's just almost like a spiritual kind of, not I don't want to say trance-like, but like a spiritual kind of... It takes you to Burning Man? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that. <laughs> that's well, what that, it sounds like. That's where, where you... That's where you can get a, a little cheesy with it. The way he's playing with the words, telling these stories, but it's also to that samba beat, so it is essentially a dance song. So kind of like a good statement or a good performance of, of him as the devil, and then just having it so groovy, too. It really kicks something off there, a, a certain kind of song and sound. Well, the combination of the shaker, the hand drums, the percussion... And the piano, and then the build of it—it it just become it, it just gets this momentum and this like inertia to it. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, but it's not fast. No, no. But it's just, yeah. but it feels intense, and it just builds and builds. And when those fucking hoo-hoos come in, and it's one of those things. It was, it was like when it's one of those things. Like, why did you think of that? But man, God bless him, because that is just—I I don't know—I find it just one of the coolest things ever. The producer Jimmy Miller was in the Mick was doing just kind of a vocal take and Jimmy Miller was in there with uh Anita Pallenberg. Yeah. Uh, is that Yeah. Yeah. And she said that when he was singing it, she heard him going like, Get it, Mick. Yeah, go for it, Mick. Who? Who you who are you talking about? Who who? <laughs> who? Yeah, yeah. Who? And she goes, That sounded really cool. And then they and then it turned into woo woo. And then they they ended up using it in the song. I'm surprised because so I think the who who sound is so cool. Like and it's so close. Why change it to the woo? 
It might be because the who, who is kind of percussive on the front end, and woo kind of like opens and shuts. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it may it have was, been something was, as simple as woo, that. Woo! Yeah. It certainly yeah, was that makes about sense. like the word, not what they're saying. Right. Let me please introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. So here's the word I was looking for earlier. Speaking of that, uh, is it it. it it's almost like you're under a spell. It's very similar to I put a spell on you in that way of like, there's something dark going on, but it, it immediately puts you into like a spell, basically. From the beginning, the it just comes in with the the bongos, right? Or what is that, mm-hmm. congas or something? I don't know which one it is. It's just per, it com- comes in with percussion, and then <laughs> it, it <laughs> comes in with a lot of percussion. <laughs> and then, you know, Mick with that, you know, just amazing opening line, which is one of those lines that you see and you're like, this is so obvious, but then you have to follow it up with, with the lyric. My favorite part of the song is the lyric. I've always been drawn to the lyric. <clears throat> that verse I watched with Glee while your kings and queens fought for 10 decades for the gods they made. Is I, that where the woo-woos come in? Yeah. Is that where they start on that um, verse? I think they start on that verse. Or... It's it's kind of similar to the the way they build mm-hmm in the song is very it's i mean it's similar to fake Pla- or fake house of trees may be similar to that in a certain extent of where kind of comes in just percussion and him singing really and then well and then the bass comes in with that just killer bass line that i had never really paid that much attention to but it's really p- propelling yeah. that shit oh, forward yeah. it's, 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 it's coming in hot tragically underrated um josh do you have a favorite line um i, I think you know i mean they're, they're all pretty straightforward right but as a whole I love the historical aspect of it. He's basically taking you from mm-hmm. the history of modern civilization. I, I like probably my favorite is the Jesus Christ uh, made damn sure that Pilate washed his hands and sealed his fate. I, I, I love that line. I've always loved that line. I think the my favorite is um, towards the end where he says, um, "As heads as tails, just call me Lucifer." The whole time he's like thinks he has this secret, but really like everyone knows he's the devil. He's like hope you guess my name but then and i love the way i never knew what he said there just that quick as heads as tails just call me lucifer it just sets up that so well well and he also makes it a little profound in that section because he's basically kind of throwing it back in your face like hey there's a devil inside of us all like we every single one we're all us. capable of, of doing all this all this shit when you meet me inside have some courtesy <laughs> some or, or i'll lay your soul to waste <laughs> yeah it's it's a great look man i i think mick you know, I mean, this was mostly his song that Keith changed the groove to because he, I think he had it as like a folk ballad somewhat. I've always found that like Jagger in some of his songs has like a sensibility that he's a learned guy. You can tell he reads uh, or is well read. And he's really able to turn that into some fantastic rock and roll lyrics. Josh, did you did you read kind of like what he was reading Baudelaire? Like that, he kind of took it. From yeah, I don't that. know. I don't know. I don't know. Bottle. I don't know. Bottle. I don't, I don't either. Know any of that but, stuff, but he yeah. he he really gives that a lot of credit. He was like, I basically just made that nice whatever he was reading in that book. It was a French book that had just been translated that he that he got. It's just quite like I, I would point to this I would, and Brown Sugar. Those lyrics maybe complicated somewhat, but just the fact <laughs> that he can kind of. You think? <laughs> but just the fact he can put stuff like that together in his in his mind or whatever it's it's he's he's an impressive lyricist at times i think he's a more of an impressive lyricist to me than he is a singer honestly 
Definitely better than dancing. <laughs> His dancing is <laughs> fucking tragic. I love how it's like in this, you know, it feels like you obviously each verse is like a different time period, you know, and there, I think there's like high points in each of the stanzas. The first one, obviously, the please love yeah. me, and then the Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. And even then, it's like St. Petersburg and the Bolshevik Revolution and Anastasia. And, and I never knew what he said. He's like, I rode a tank ahead of general's rank when the Blitzkrieg raged, and he said, and then the bodies stank. I never knew he said the bodies stank. I was really? like, oh, that's. Yeah. I never knew what the fuck he said. Oh, yeah. But it's just like the percussiveness of because he's, he's very much talking it. The thing that it does with the build and the momentum and all that stuff is it becomes very seductive. It just pulls yeah. you right into it. It makes you feel cool yeah. fucking listening to it. And that's that's fantastic. I watch the glee while you kings and queens fall for ten decades for the gods they made. I shout it out. His voice, just to move into the vocal a little bit, you know, I mean, his voice is never, you know, there's a weird thing that he does that I don't know. He really enunciates things. So it's almost he draws out words in a way that I think really works well with kind of his because he's kind of a screamer more than a singer. He's a shouter, right? for sure. Yeah, yeah. So and how he draws things out, I mean, he must just have be a master at controlling his diaphragm and his breath because the way he's able to draw things out and keep kind of some power and some balls behind it. Yeah, and he can't always extent. do that live though. No, nah, I mean that would be. Good singing. That would be silly. Yeah, I mean, it's like live sometimes it's like, dude, like uh, it's sometimes, sometimes it's amazing. But he really, by the end of the song, I mean, he really starts getting yeah. in there. Let me please have to do myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm a man of a whale. I mean, he's really getting after it at the end of the song. Because if you, if you sit down with an acoustic and play this, it's hard not to try to mimic him. And so, you know, you're like, oh, this is super. Well, it's idiosyncratic, right? It's just something he does because that's what he does. Like, it's not. And yeah. that's why I think, and I really like singers like that more than folks who can sing anything. I like folks who's like, all right, I can tell who that dude is or that, you know, that chick by like, mm-hmm. by how they sing. Mm-hmm. I really, that's my favorite kind of singing, actually. You can, you can really tell like his British comes out too, like decades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. For 10 decades. decades. Well, yeah. Plus, nobody in America is literate, so we would have never written this song. <laughs> Literally, no one in America can read a book. We, we don't know what decades would be. Somebody would be like, what's a decade? Some kind of insect, I think. Next question. I do like um, the one time where he changes it to confusing. But what's confusing you? Yeah. And that's right before that every cop is a criminal. That's like almost right where it really kicks into high gear. And and, and that's a, the, the, the other fun part about the song is like, you feel like, like you're saying like they really go for it or whatever and it really gears up. But the groove just stays the same the entire mm-hmm. time right that, yeah I, what it does it does it's not speeding up it's not real fast it's not real slow it's just kind of mm-hmm. and there there is a lot of dynamics it's building the whole time and i i don't remember hearing any guitar until the solo just comes in fucking hot as hell you know yeah. it's just piano drums bass um but it but it really so, fills the space as it, so supposedly brought you can if you like listen to all the yeah, tracks yeah, individually <laughs> the uh, Brian Jones you can hear him playing an acoustic uh, on the say, piano track but yeah and I read that it's just like he got mixed out it was just like there, there's a version where you can hear him but there's just like alright let Brian fucking play his acoustic well I, you know, I think that's probably just 
their production sense because it's really cool how they like I said the build is what makes this song like because it builds up like I said all that momentum and then when it goes to that B it's just like boom please meet you and it's like yeah fuck, yeah. yeah but what really makes it a Stones tune is when that fucking just that first little guitar lick or whatever he does for the solo you're like ooh that's so biting <laughs> and he just does I don't think of the Stones that way it's almost an outlier like that's the one of the most rock and stone solos from Keith. Like there, there's some Mick Taylor stuff that I think is pretty fucking rocking. But this is kind of really signature guitar solo. It's very simple too. It's all about the feel of it. It's also so punchy. It's like yeah. well, oh, it's, it's got a lot of attack. It's oh my god! It must have been so loud. That guitar is so fucking hot. It's about to fucking explode. <laughs> It reminds mm-hmm. me of Dwayne Allman's sound, like when you hear him playing like some blues, and you can tell the amp is on ten. If you listen to, like some of the um, Dwayne Allman the anthology, it sounds a lot like this. Yeah, it's it, super bitey. Well, it, it also kind of has the same engine as. Uh, I mean, that's not a samba, but <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, hear totally. that. There's lots of lots of rhythm going on in both songs. There's two drummers on my brothers. Yeah. And there's this drummer the ha- yeah, with this. With the solo, my favorite part is like right after it begins, right when dun 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 like what the piano is doing behind it. It's like bam 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 and it's almost mimicking it behind it. Bam bam everything's doing bam 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 now in different like different rhythms. It's great. The piano really stuck out to me because it starts off and when it's just kind of real simple, it sounds like he's in a sanctuary in a church almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Nicky Hopkins playing piano on this. And then it just kind of goes, it kind of moves closer and closer to the juke joint. It like, this song completely moves piano wise from the church to the juke joint to when, it, especially during that solo, and then to like a Grateful Dead show because it's just fucking. A great financial. All over. What, where, where did the yeah, break the come in? It's just, it's, it's just, it just gets real jammy at the end. I don't hear any hacky you know, sacks from, or veggie burritos in, that, in any part of the yeah, song. No hacky sacks allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this song relies on the production a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you, I mean, you can make it cool in a bunch of ways, but yeah. because it doesn't change much, they build and build and go, it, and, and the way yeah. they build is very important. Yeah, I think the um, the song writing was always great, but I think without great production, it could have been a mediocre song. Because have you guys ever, uh, well, did you know there was a movie called Sympathy for the yeah, Devil? Yeah, I've seen I've yeah. seen it year like in college or something. Yeah, I need to watch it. I mean, there there I watched parts of it today, but there's there's times when they're just playing sitting around playing it with the guitar and it's like it, yeah. it needs that engine behind it. Yeah, you know? like it does. The producer again is Jimmy Miller. This was his first run with the Stones. After he'd basically done a bunch of Winwood stuff, he he produced The Traffic and Spencer and uh, Blind Faith. <laughs> the, the Traffic Everything when you have traffic, die in front of anything, it sounds like traffic. you're old. Like I got the COVID. <laughs> I take the rubber the Robitussin. It's just a, he produces the traffic. I'm gonna invade the Ukraine. Um, the uh, 
But yeah, and then he this was his first run with them. He did all their albums up to Goathead Soup. So basically, he he produced like this was a, a marriage made in heaven, basically because he produced all their best shit. <laughs> if you, in my opinion, and then he moved on to Motorhead after them. So that's quite Winwood Stones. Motorhead. That's uh, fucking sweet. I, I, I wonder what, like, if Motorhead before just sounded like super refined and they were just like, Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades. Like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's try, try some I don't meth. know if that dude, I don't know if Lemmy ever sounded like that. But I wonder how much, Jonathan, this is, this is, because when I was listening to it and thinking about the production, I was like, how much of this is the Stones going in and being the Stones and him just sitting back? And how much is him just trying to wrangle all this shit in to like a five minute? Package. Well, I guess we know the the woo woos are him. <laughs> the woo woos. Well, the the beat was key. So, the melody and lyric are Mick. The the Keith wanted to make it uh, samba, so that yeah, was his idea. You know, idea. the rhythm came from Keith, right? There's no question about it. Charlie that. said he based his his stuff on uh, a jazz song, um, <laughs> like he always does from like <laughs> the fit. 30s. No, he does. He just yeah. loves jazz. And then you know, yeah, they brought in. I mean, there's there's if you look at the lineup here, you have. You know, the Rolling Stones, which at the time was Mick uh, singing and playing the hand drum. Keith Richards. Is a hand drum just clapping? Um, Keith no. Richards backing vocals, lead guitar, and he played the bass. Yep. Keith Richards played the bass on the song. Yep. He does that uh, Brian, jo- Brian Jones, acoustic guitar that sounds like was not left in. Bill Wyman backing vocals and Shikari. Shakira. Shakira. <laughs> and then Charlie, Watt- Charlie Watts on the drums. And then there's an unidentified musician on the maracas. There's Nicky Hopkins on the piano. There's Rocky Zidzornu on congas and cowbell. And Anita Pallenberg and Marianne Faithful going back up. So, I mean, they, they had a lot of folks. There was a lot of parts, a lot of bells and whistles in the song. Hey, um, I don't think I ever told you guys, but I, w- I was the unnamed person. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I just, it's, just, it's time for us to go ahead and come clean on that. It, it was me. The unnamed Maracas. Will you please introduce yourself? That's right. <laughs> um, no. Jonathan, do you think that this is Keith's best solo moment? Like lead guitar? Obviously, he does so many things, but I think as far as just licks, tone, delivery. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, Mick Taylor is the technically the better lead player. I mean, he's fucking incredible. But, uh,. Yeah, it's great, and it just feels like it literally feels like a burst of all that energy. It's like one of those like, you know, they show those pictures of the sun or whatever, and there's those like flares mm-hmm. coming off. It just mm-hmm. feels like mm-hmm. something that just broke loose because there's so much, yeah. and it's so sick. Like I said, yeah. the fact that there's not much electric guitar, the music's very texturized, and so when he brings that in, it's like oh, that's like a new fucking. It's like you know, there's all these yeah. different things, and then that's like where that, and it feels super. It just cuts like yeah. fucking well, that, a, a, a knife through warm butter yeah. kind of thing. You know, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. The guitar and he does it again in the outro. The guitar and the bass. The bass is like you can hear it buzzing. It's fucking crazy. I'd yeah. never noticed that before. Just how like hot that was in the mix. Did you have you seen the rock and roll circus performance of this? Yeah, it's like yeah. eight minutes of yeah, just that. craziness. Mix. Yeah. But he's pretty much riffing throughout the song in that one. It sounds fucking fantastic. It's right. His fucking haircut's <laughs> ripping. That's for damn sure. It's all right. <laughs> I, I think none of, the, none of the live stuff impresses me. Sometimes he just seems so spaced out to hit that, that because it takes so much attack and precision to hit those licks. And Yeah. So you're saying he's not 
100% there in the live shows. So <laughs> None of them. I've watched a bunch of not them. And every all, one of it's them. not always perfect. I still never figure out exactly how he hits that first fucking lick. Like it's, yeah. There's just one extra little syllable in there. That it I'm almost like, seems like a mistake. Or just it, like, it does feel like a mistake. so fired up, up that it just yep. happened. Are you talking about the like... You talk about the ba? The, the first three. The, the cluster. <laughs> There's a cluster of notes. I'm like, yeah, the cluster. It's kind of thing. If you don't do it in the right direction, you will you can't make it sound it. So it's almost like he's hitting it. You know? But it's like he's bending and pulling as he's That's, like hitting yes, another thing. <laughs> exactly. It, do, it does. Sometimes so you're saying it should be banana, no, it's not, perfect. No, it's, it shouldn't be. It's perfect. It should be what it is, but I don't know if he meant to do that right away. Yeah, um, you're saying it's a per- it's a perfect mistake. Mm-hmm. My favorite mistake, maybe. <laughs> That's funny. Well, a couple of random facts about this song. It was 106 on Rolling Stone's uh, 500 best song lyrics um, or list. Uh, it was first called Fallen Angels, and then The Devil Is My Name, before Thank settling God. on Sympathy for the Devil. Isn't it funny how that works? See, and we, we, we would have got hung up at Fallen Angels if we had written it. That's why we were not as good as the Stones. Thank, <laughs> Thank God. Fallen Angels. Like, Ooh, Fallen Angels. What a That's great it. name. Thank God we <laughs> named the one. Sympathy for the Devil. <laughs> uh, and then last uh, fun fact is, so this song on Hunter S. Thompson's trip to Vegas that... He and, he and his lawyer like the real trip that the book's based on they just listen to the song over and so over so he can focus nice <laughs> like just yeah like this song was like legendary <laughs> when I was born I can't imagine what it would have been like hearing this when it came out it'd be like nah, holy fucking shit it's, it's, I read it's something it sounds so different I read the something. Beatles would not have done this well maybe Helter Skelter-ish maybe but not really yeah I read something as well that they was it I shouted out who killed Kennedy, and then Robert was shot soon after, and they changed it to Kennedy's. Oh, interesting. Which is a wild yeah, story. Yeah, because that happened. It was recorded in '68. He was shot in '68. Crazy. Um, but let's 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 move away from the assassinations of political figures and and start vibing. Uh, cue the music in three, two, one. You gotta get a little <laughs> a certain to it. Uh, Jonathan, it's your song. When do you want to hear it? Anytime. I mean, just fucking. Oh, it's an anytime. I want to hear it when I'm walking into a substitute teaching gig. Be like, teaching English motherfuckers, just play. Actually, you know when I want to hear it? When I really want, and I don't think it's gonna happen though. A uh, 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 young lady I give guitar lessons to. Uh, she's having her quinceanera. I think when when you're 14 or 15, yeah, and she said 16. She said she was gonna walk into this. And I'm like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah, in my <laughs> life, that's the single Ooh, coolest thing. Just walking into this, like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so that's actually when I want to hear it. I heard Quinceanera. That is great, Neil. What about you? Well, um, this song is so popular. I think they've all already happened. Any place, any time that I would want to hear it, it's it's happened before. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, to That's kick about, off, kick off a night, a good night, you know, it's it's a good kind of like, put this song on. Let's let's get after it. Do Do you mean kick off a good late night? Either one. Any <laughs> anytime you're kicking off football, fucking parties, just yeah, definitely driving like yeah. around L.A. at night. This would be a cool song to have on. I mean, obviously anytime, but I think specifically 
at a party sitting around a fire. And somebody just puts this on. I'm drinking a beer, looking at the fire. I'm like, fuck yeah. What's your obsession with fire tonight? Better than, better than playing with fire? This Settle song down, takes me to fire. I don't know, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's, well, uh, the, the drums and the primitive vibe. Yeah, I just want to get Josh up and is like Lord of the Flies. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> what is this, like, ooh, ooh. shuffle you're doing uh, here? Caveman rock? I know. Caveman rock. <laughs> well, speaking of cavemen, uh, why don't we slide under the influence and talk about the influences um, influenced by moving forward, similar shit. Jonathan, kick us off. I, I don't know. Influence-wise, it's definitely of... It kind of pulls from all the occult stuff you know that from robert johnson and all that that he that they use the scare absolutely it's kind of but then it's european and so it kind of has that like faustian kind of vibe about it where because it's a seductive cool like like this this definitely makes the devil feel pretty cool like this is like you know al pacino and fucking the what's the one with him and keanu or keanu the devil's advocate yeah exactly um so uh of that vibe and then like i mean i think it you could make a case that this stuff, you know, led on through to like Guns N' Roses and Marilyn Manson and Metallica, at least in terms of the, the, like, Abs- like absolutely where the where the narrator is kind of like where the the shit is just because I had Metallica's Master of Puppets, so I was literally like seven or eight. I ordered it from a tape club, and it used to scare the <laughs> shit. Out. I mean, I, I would still listen to it though, but it scared the shit out of me. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this pr- this song probably moved that from the blues into like this more rocking phase of like devilish stuff that didn't necessarily have to be about the church, you know? It could just be about the fucking devil mm-hmm. <laughs> and evil. I would say this um, hit the history obviously influenced the song. <laughs> um, How so? Temptation. Uh, Bulgakov's "The Master and Margarita." What are you Neil talking about? Earlier. That's what he said. He based the lyric on. That's not what you think. They just read that shit. What do you what else you think? It like where like what else influenced it? Well, no, I'm saying that did. Now, I mean, like I think, you know, for there's something about this song. I don't know why, but when I hear it, it reminds me of uh, Midnight Special a little bit, or just kind of Lead Belly's vibe in general. Mm. If you just took Lead Belly I and started rocking it out. Um, and then again, like contemporary wise, I mean, it just it reminds me of Santana a little bit, probably because of the samba. Uh, Samba, Samba, Samba. and then honestly, I said exactly what you did. Just rock and roll moving forward, like Ozzy, Guns N' Roses, Mm -hmm. uh, Alice Cooper. Just that whole, you know. It's it's funny that this song came out on Beggar's Banquet, and their previous album was uh, Satanic, Your Majesty Request, or whatever that album's name is. Yeah, I mean, I think it has. um, It's very theatrical. It almost has like an old storyteller vaudeville kind of thing, you know, because he's like presenting himself as the devil, you know, kind of, it, it seems kind of old in that way. The way the lyrics are written, it's very like Dylan or Neil Young, kind of how they kind of write about history with like Cortez the Killer and some of a lot of Dylan stuff. Um, and then moving forward, I think it inspired stuff like uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Zombie, kind of like those really rocking anthems. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, just because of what I was saying with the bum 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 bum, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, because it's just almost the same chords. Dun, 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 dun. You know, they when they get rocking, it almost turns into this song a little bit. Interesting. Why don't we slip under the slip under the covers and talk about the numerous covers of the song? Jonathan, did you listen to any? Have you heard any in your life? I actually found one by the 
the Boston Pops Orchestra called Timpani for the Devil. Oh, so ah. actually, that was just a weird dream I had. I, I didn't listen to any of these. I didn't listen to any covers. <laughs> uh, Neil, what, what did you what did you hear? Um, I listened to some. Um, one I was very disappointed with was Guns N' Roses, and it's great that um, oh, Slash God. quoted, that's the sound of a band breaking up. <laughs> oh, that's the one from uh, Interview with the Vampire. They yeah. so should have used this one. They so should have used this one. What do you mean, this one? Oh, yeah, uh, of course. They should have oh used the original. So and, much well, fucking better. And it better. also has Axel singing and talking, like a doubled vocal. Like, in <laughs> the background. Is- oh, it's awful. And he's like, please allow me. It's not good. Um, uh, we mentioned it earlier, Motorhead. They do a really cool version of this. It's, it's very cool. I love the way he sings. Um, really? It's very rocking. Yeah. And and yeah, you, you believe him too, you know. He, he kind of has some street cred. He can yeah. sing this, and and it rocks, yeah. man. Like the the fucking solo is great. The solo was just fucking rock and roll gibberish. Ah, uh, I thought it rocked. I, th- I think Motorhead's literally a term for like an amphetamines addict. Yeah, that, and it, that, it really that all their music always. <laughs> it just never did much. It was always. I will have to check that out. It tracks. Um, and then I listen uh, out of the box. I listened to some jammy versions, uh, string cheese incident, um, which I didn't oh hate. Con queso. I didn't hate. And then I, and then I hated it. Cause like the guy started soloing and it just started, sounded like Trey, like it always does. And then I listened to widespread panic. Not too bad. Panic in the house. I could see that being cool. <laughs> I didn't, ah, Neil loving the panic covers lately. Um, I also listened to Ozzy Osbourne. It's just overly produced and not very good. There's a Neptunes remix. That's, you know, what up, like, kind of like why. And then Blood, Sweat, and Tears did like a weird jazzy version that somehow makes this song cheesy. Uh, when you thought it wasn't possible, it can, no, it's Blood, very Sweat, possible. and Tears. It's, <laughs> it's probable. It, ooh. There's just like a, a symph. There's like a, I mean, there's basically a symphony intro, like orchestral, and then it's just a weird experience to listen to yeah um, so avoid it's tough blood, i almost, I almost don't like any version except for the recorded version i watched a bunch of stones i watched them at the tokyo dome in 1990 where mix on like this 50 foot tall like tower of red lights that's what makes me think the production is really important like i don't think yeah. you can just get away yeah. with and, it and just how much work that how much work they probably put in to this song just figuring out how to how they probably just evolved once they got it right it was probably pretty easy but it's like you know getting it right they they knew something and you know what else evolves uh shoes and so jonathan how does the shoe fit i don't know if it's like some pointy black leather boots that keith richards or the devil might wear especially like (laughs) the ones that they'd wear back like about the time this stuff was out you know like like in the late 60s like lemon, yeah. definitely, definitely that. That map. don't that don't look like they're comfortable. Oh, they're not built for comfort. <laughs> they're built to kick ass and scare people. Uh, uh, Neil, what you got? Well, yeah, they fit. Unfortunately, like boots on the ground. <laughs> boots on the ground. Well, so topical you are. Um, I'm gonna go out of the box. They fit like those uh, special Nikes that Lil Nas X had made um, oh, go with the blood go in the soul. Oh my god! I love that shit. <laughs> you know, Jonathan. I know you've seen that video that Lil Nas X where he's dancing on the devil. I have. And then he's. I, I may have seen part of that once. I think. Shoes, shoes. 
Oh, and on that note, uh, we say goodbye to Jonathan for now. Hopefully, not for the last time. Jonathan, hopefully, you'll still be hearing his voice every time you start this pod on, with the disclaimer. And every time. Uh, oh, the disclaimer is off. Y'all, y'all fend for yourselves now. Fucking. <laughs> y'all are critics. And then, and then. I'm going to call in. I'm, can I call into the show and fucking talk shit? You can also hear him laugh yeah. at the end after Neil says, can't wait. So he, he will be gone, but not forgotten. And I'm actually taking that with me, too. That's strictly a Jonathan Horton copyrighted uh, laugh. Royalties. Well, Jonathan, we hope to see you soon, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, and on that note, Jonathan's cover of Sympathy for the Devil. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. I stole many a man's soul and faith And I was around when Jesus Christ Had his moment of doubt and pain I made damn sure a pilot Washed his hands And sealed his faith Pleased to meet you Hope you Guess my name But what's puzzling You is The nature Of my Game I stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was time for a change It killed the Tsar and his ministers Anastasia screamed in vain I rode a tank, held a general's rain When the Blitzkrieg raged and a body stank
cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Neil's week, so Neil, what will we be discussing? Uh, we'll be discussing U2's 80s classic With or Without You. Can't wait! <laughs>